Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and we are on the America Out Loud Radio Network. You know, the world that we normally talk about politics, and we talk about things that are going on, and we talk about vaccines, and the changes in our constitutional fights to keep our country the way they are, and those of us who want to maintain a traditional America, and others who want to go backwards, and all of that seems to pale in comparison when we have an event like the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Now, school shootings are nothing new to us anymore. They are part and parcel of American life. And we can talk for hours about the reasoning. Why is that? I think a lot of people will say it's because we don't have God in our lives anymore. We don't have religion as a centerpiece to hold us to our moral fixations so that we do the right things. We don't teach our children what's right and what's wrong anymore. Everything goes. We, we tell people things that do not hold us to, to maintaining a, a justice-based type of a society anymore. It's just that everything just seems to be coming apart at the seams and these school shootings, these horrific attacks, mostly by young men uh, who decide that for whatever reason, their way to make their grievances known to avenge whatever they have in their heart to release the evil that's that's there is to go in and attack a school or attack their classmates attack their teachers you know we we can we can easily make a a knee-jerk reaction and say it's the guns it's the guns we give it all the guns you know and that's not really what it is it's it's there's a malignancy in in our in our people in, in what we're thinking about and how we're raising people and what we're teaching them is right and wrong. You can't tell people that their country is horrible. It's, it's based on evil. It's rotten. They are no good. Uh, this group versus that. You can't tell people that for years and years and years and expect it not to have some kind of an effect. Now, I'm not going to lay it all off on that. I think it's pretty reasonable to say that this is a, a multidisciplinary problem. We would say there's mental health issues here. There's absolutely mental health issues here. There are uh, soul-based problems with people. You know, and I, I guess the easiest one to go back to and, and not jump off on is it's a gun problem. Well, it's hard to address that because people respond emotionally to these things. And it seems the common sense thing to do, of course, would be to get rid of guns. Then nobody could shoot each other. But I saw a meme the other day on social media, and it was a, uh, a shank. So if you know what a shank is, a shank is from prison. That's when the prisoners uh, are, are locked down as tight as people can be in a prison. And they still find ways to make weapons to kill each other. Because that is the, uh, that is the nature of man, for whatever reason, at certain times to attack their fellow man. You know, so it, the easy thing would be see, to get rid of all the guns. But that's really, that's really not the answer. Let's, let's take an example here. And I'm, I'm fishing around here for this because I'm trying to understand this myself. Is there room for some reasonable, uh, not gun restrictions, because it is, a, it is a constitutional right to possess and bear arms, 
but is there is there anything we can do to ensure that people with mental issues don't get their hands on weapons? That seems like the most reasonable uh, conversation that we can possibly have. People with these kinds of problems that we see in most of these shooters, there is some type of a, of a mental issue. Now, for younger people, we know they can't walk into the gun store and buy the gun. So most of them are getting their guns from their family. They're getting them from their house. You know, uh, in, in Sandy Hook, uh, the young man had some kind of mental issues and his mother addressed it one of the only ways she probably could that they found the connection was to go to the shooting range. Now, that sounds strange, but when you're trying to connect to your child and you find something, I can imagine that that's why she did it, because she was trying to connect with this troubled boy. And she bought the weapons. Well, the weapons were in the house. He had access to them. He killed her, and then he went to the school and, and attacked all the children. You know, we see in Uvalde, this young man was 18, and he we still don't know where he got the money to go buy the, the two rifles, but he purchased them legally. Now, all that's coming out with this kid on social media, it, it does appear that he had lots of mental issues. Maybe they're undiagnosed. And I hear our friends in the media saying, there's absolutely no evidence that he had mental conditions, which is really the way I see it. It's a play to just go after the gun and let's not look at the person. Because there are over 300 million guns in the United States of America, right? And, and there are, what, 40,000 homicides a year with weapons? And we, we, we want to break them down. You know, where do they come? How many of them are school shooting incidents or business shooting instances? Not that each one isn't an absolute terrible tragedy in and of itself, and the loss of one life in a, in a school shooting or a business shooting or a mall shooting is a horrible, horrible thing. Let's be crystal clear on that. But let's, let's look at it this way. There are, what, 50,000 automobile deaths every year from uh, drunk drivers to careless drivers to people who talk on their cell phones. And we're not talking about getting rid of the cars. Wouldn't that make perfect sense? If all these people are dying in car accidents, let's get rid of cars and go back to horse and buggy, right? So we have to put this into perspective. The knee-jerk emotional reaction is, of course, get rid of the guns. We never ask, though, how many times are weapons used by private citizens to protect themselves? That part of the argument never comes out. And the number is in the hundreds of thousands of times people use their weapons, either brandishing it to stop an attack or actually shooting someone to stop them from being injured or to at be attacked. So I find myself in a, in a unique position, having been in law enforcement my whole career. You know, in the Northeast, the idea of someone driving around in their car with a gun that's not law enforcement was uh, concerning because you got you know, got people running, they could shoot the police, right? So as an officer, you didn't want people running around with guns if they had them legally, they stored them legally, they carried them legally if they were permitted to carry, you were okay. But the idea of just everyone riding around with a gun was, was tough. But I got to tell you, a long time ago, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I was vacationing in Florida and there had just been an incident where an officer was, was being attacked uh, very badly on the side of the road and a citizen pulled over an armed citizen uh in florida because they're allowed to carry a gun in a car steps out of their car and shoots the assailant and saves the officer and at the time i was speaking to a couple of police officers from down in florida and i said 
how do you how do you deal with the fact knowing that almost every car you're stopping can have a gun in it? And this one officer said something. I thought it was pretty profound. He goes, yeah, that's true. Um, the difference, I think, from here and up north is that down here we know almost everybody has a gun. And number two, the people that are down here that have guns, for the most part, are law-abiding citizens. And, you know, like that guy that stepped out and helped the cop, that's what they do with their weapons. We have the same amount of crazy people that use guns for crimes as you do up north. Only up north, you don't know if they got the gun in the car. You're kind of guessing. So when you think about that, that, that's a pretty interesting thought. But the whole idea that we just, you know, ban, you know, ban the assault rifle. Well, what is an assault rifle? Did you ever see these things on social media? They got a young guy, young girl walks up to somebody, what's, a, what's an assault rifle? You know what it is, because people can't describe it. Because it's a scary sounding thing, right? Assault weapon. What's an assault weapon, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's any kind of a gun that you would use in an attack. They want to make it a military attack, but a 223 round is what the AR-15 is. A 223 caliber round has been around for a long time. There are much bigger bullets available to people out there. A 30 6 rifle, which does unbelievable amounts of damage if it hit a person. The difference is, is that you can fire these weapons so quickly. That seems to be another thing that comes up. You, look how fast you can shoot and reload with these high-capacity magazines. And you have to, you know, if you're being honest about it, you could say, okay, if a guy had to shoot a revolver shoot six rounds at people and then reload and shoot six rounds, it would go slower. The, the assault would be slower. But do we, do we take the rights of 350 million Americans and can them, uh, and this is going to sound cold, and I don't mean it to, but we have to look at facts when we talk about this, for the you know, 30, 40 incidents that we hear about on the news a year. Now, if each individual life lost, and if it was me or somebody in my family, I would be absolutely devastated. So let's, let's be crystal clear on that. But at the same time, we get in our cars every day, don't we? We send our kids out in a vehicle every single day to go do what they have to do and go to school and ride around. We're not taking cars away. If we got rid of cars, wouldn't we save 50,000 people a year? Hey, if we went into some of these places where all of these uh, murders take place every single week, say we went into Chicago and we went around and we just stopped and searched every person walking in the city of Chicago, wouldn't we take a lot of guns away from people? Wouldn't we save a lot of lives? Why don't we do that? Well, because people have their rights, right, not to be stopped and frisked and searched for no reason. See, so a lot of this sounds abstract, but when you take the emotion out of it, and we look at it clearly, there are some things we probably can do. But again, it requires government intervention, which is a slippery slope. When you give government more power, they're going to take it, and they're going to take more power. So how do you keep mentally ill people from getting a weapon? You know, uh, I know here in New Jersey, you go in to buy something, uh, they do a background check on you. I'm not opposed to a background check, because I got no problem, right? I'm, my background's clean. I go in, I do the background check, they check me. I'm not a wanted person. I don't have a history of violence or domestic violence or any of that. And I get my gun. So I'm not opposed to that. You know, the idea of, um, you know, walking into a, uh, a box store, a big box store, and buying four 9mm pistols off the, off the shelf. Okay, a lot we know a lot of those guns end up in the Northeast where you can't get them that easy, but down South you can. 
So is that something we could restrict, that there has to be something uh, to know who it is that's buying these weapons? Or do we stay pure and just say, nope, you have a right to have it. You got your driver's license, your ID, you can buy the gun. See, this is where the argument gets, gets out of line sometimes because we, these things start to blur. Even as I'm thinking about it, I'm saying to, to restrict someone's right, you have to have a very good reason. The president, President Biden just said the Second Amendment is not absolute. And I saw, I read an article where he said the whole idea of having these nine millimeters, there's, there's absolutely no justification for people having a nine millimeter bullet that'll uh, blow your lungs out of your chest, uh, as opposed to a 22, which would get stuck in your lung and then we could remove it and you would live. There's no, no reason somebody would need a nine millimeter. See, so, so they already, they, they already start with the confiscation and, and attacking your right, Right. Uh, you could say, okay, nobody can have a howitzer. That seems pretty, that makes pretty sense. That would be his, uh, that would be akin to when he said, hey, when the, when the Constitution was created, you couldn't buy a cannon. Well, a howitzer is a modern cannon. You can't just go buy a howitzer. That's probably pretty good. We don't need that kind of a weapon in people's hands. But a 9mm, that is a standard 38 caliber round, only it's, a, it's a, just a very, very little bit different. And 38's been with us forever. So what do we say? Everybody can only have 22s, 22 caliber bullets. It, it, you see the slippery slope? So they go from, you can't have cannons, down to, uh, you should have a pea shooter. Uh, and how do you protect yourself with a pea shooter? Well, you don't have to protect yourself is the argument. No, you do. And when you think about it, and today it's, it's oh my God, it's, it's out of your mind. You must be a crazy radical if you say something like, what was the purpose of the right to, to bear arms? It wasn't to go deer hunting, all right? That wasn't the purpose, to go deer hunting. The right of, of the citizens to keep and bear arms was to protect, their, protect themselves and their rights and to throw off a tyrannical government. Now, today, that seems crazy, right? We, we, we look around, we say, we have a tyrannical government. Well, it's getting more and more tyrannical as time goes by. So is this what they envisioned? A government that can tell you take a virus, even if it'll take a, a vaccine, even if it has bad side effects and could kill you. Uh, wear a mask. Shut down your business. Have no economy. Don't leave. Don't send your kids to school. Doesn't that sound a little tyrannical? A little bit even? You can see the slippery slope where these things lead to when you give government that kind of power. So as I try to put this together in my head, I'm trying to understand where exactly should I, I come down on this? For me personally, for me to understand it for myself, I think there are some things we can do in vetting out people who want to just walk in the door and buy a gun and then go to a school and kill people. I think there are some things we need to do. I can't think of an instance where I have to have my rifle today, you know, I, I, that I can't wait a day for a background to make sure that my background is clear or that my neighbor who I've been arguing with isn't a little nutty and have all kinds of problems and they go buy a rifle and, and shoot me and my family. You know, I would rather spend the day waiting for my rifle um, so that we find out my neighbor has a mental problem or was confined one time and they don't give him the gun that he uses to kill me, right? So, and that that even in itself is a concern and that's that's what the gun people are saying. It's not that, at least how I'm hearing it, it's not that they don't want 
to make everyone as safe as possible. But it's that we cannot curtail and snuff out the rights of legitimate, good, honest, law-abiding people to exercise their right to possess a weapon because we have crazy, dangerous people. Because we have lots of crazy, dangerous things that go on all the time that we don't take action on. And I named two of them. We have people die in cars all the time, every single day. Children, adults, old people, we don't take away the cars. Right? We could go to these cities where people are killing each other every single day, and we could stop and search everyone and remove their weapons, and we would save how many lives? Why don't we do that? The same people that say everyone should have to give up their weapons are the same people that would say you have no right to search anybody for any reason because they have rights, correct? See, so it's not a simple thing. It's, it's dealing with the people who are committing the crimes. That's the place to focus. So the killer in Uvalde, as more and more comes out, and I think they're hiding some things about him. Uh, I think they're hiding some things about him that wouldn't be politically correct. Uh, and this is just a guess on my part, because normally we know a lot about these people. There's been a lot of pictures on the internet, which you don't know if they're fake or not, uh, of this uh, of this killer. But I think there's some things about him that it just would not be uh, helpful to other causes if he came out. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so I think we need to look at these people closer. Right? Are there are there ways that we can see before someone attacks? And I've written about this. Um, I've written about this extensively, and in many cases, not every, but in many cases. You know, you look at the FBI uh, reports, you look at the uh, U.S. Secret Service uh, surveys of shooters, workplace shooters, school shooters, and they will tell you that in a large majority of the cases, other people knew about the potential danger that someone posed, and they don't come forward. They don't say anything until afterwards. So the reality is these people do engage in things. They do say things on social media. They post pictures. They make comments to people. That's called leakage, all right? That word leakage, what that means is when someone has some kind of an intent, something going on in their mind, and it leaks out, and we can see it, we can hear it in the words that they say, the threats that they make, the social media posts, the clothes that they wear. They start to wear clothes as though they're preparing for an attack. In many cases, not all, but in many so yes, there are ways that we can see uh, potential danger before it attacks us. That is where we need to focus. So there are some things we can do about handing out guns to just mentally ill people. We don't want to do that, right? And we don't want to hand them out to people who are going to hurt other people. So I think there is a way to look at that. Taking all guns away from everybody is not the answer. That's not going to be the answer because people will make shanks and stab people, right? We already know that. So this is, this is the kind of idea in a calm and rational approach, taking the emotion out of it, we probably could come to some kind of an agreement that would preserve our rights in the Constitution as gun owners, and it would protect society to a greater degree. We're never going to stop evil. Somebody who is, who is intent on, on doing something that bad We'll find another way. What was it back in the 1920s? A guy was upset with the school district and he planted a bomb in the school and killed, uh, I think, 50 children. Right? So if somebody wants to do something evil, they're going to do it. We can't get rid of evil. We've been trying for thousands of years. And we had a great ally in that, in God. And we've gotten rid of God. We've thrown him out of everything. 
right? So now it's us versus evil, and we're not really good at standing up to evil. So when we look at this rational thought, we can come to some kinds of situations that can help make us more safe and preserve our rights. I think that's a reality. So I want I want to talk for a couple of minutes here about the the shooting in Uvalde and what happened there. And, and while the facts are still being culled, we're still learning. Like I said, I don't think we've learned everything about the shooter, and we need to know everything about these shooters, whoever they are, so that we can see if we can connect any dots to their behavior before and then what they did. So we can look in the future and start to see, hey, there's signs here. We maybe better intervene before anything happens, right? That's the whole purpose. But when we look, um, the whole idea of, of, of active shooter training, the reason we, we have the children locking down, so that's become a part of, of every school kid's life to lock down from the bad man who wants to come in and kill them, which is a horrific thing that our society has to deal with. But we have. When I was a kid, like I said, we used to have to hide underneath, uh, underneath the deck from the desk from a nuclear bomb. And, you know, the first time you heard it, you were like, that's, that's weird. But after a while, it was time to duck and cover, and everybody just did it. We train these kids today just like we train for a fire drill. Why do, we, why do we do a fire drill once a month? Everybody has to go outside in the rain or the cold, and schools try and pick a nice day so everyone can go outside and then go back in the building. We train that way so that we know what to do in the emergency. When there is a fire and we have to evacuate, everybody knows how to get out calmly relaxed, get to a safe distance, right, to be safe. Well, active shooter training is the same thing for the schools. We want everyone to know that when there's a threat, when there's a danger of an active shooter because we hear shots, they're trying to break in, there's something happening, we all can respond in the most appropriate way, right? So we lock the classroom door. We cover the window on the door to the classroom. We get out of sight. We stay quiet. If there's an opportunity to flee, maybe that is an option, but it's not always the best option. Sometimes the best option is being locked down and safe. But what I see when I go to a lot of schools is that they don't always take it seriously. They go in and they say, okay, we have to do a lockdown drill. So let's lock it down. They check off the box and then they move on because it's time consuming. It takes up a part of their day. Uh, it's not convenient. And for a lot of places, it's, it's just something that they do because they have to. And then I see other districts that go out of their way to do realistic training, training that challenges their staff to do the right things, that, that, that changes uh, the paradigm of drilling so that if something ever happened, they were prepared to respond. The whole idea of what the police are supposed to do, and this is what comes down to uh, Uvalde, Texas, which is so hard uh, for any law enforcement officer, because and anybody that supports our law enforcement community, you know, when we see something that is obviously wrong, uh, it's, it's painful to, to have to look at it, but we don't get better if we don't look at our mistakes, right? If we just look at the times we're great, then we're not going to get better. We got to look at our times when, when we're made mistakes, when things went the way they shouldn't have. And the two examples I've cited was Parkland, Florida, when uh, the law enforcement officer there did not go into the school when he should have. Now, was he outgunned? Was he one man with a handgun and maybe two magazines of extra bullets versus a guy who had an AR-15? Yes, absolutely. Was there a, a chance that that officer would be shot and killed if he went in that building? Yes, there was. Um, but you know what? And I say this with all respect. He, he's not, he was not a plumber or an electrician who had no obligation to move forward. 
He was a law enforcement officer. He was trained. He took an oath. Part of his responsibility and his obligation was to go in that building, just like it was in Uvalde. Right? It was the obligation of those officers to go in there. I know, I know we're getting different stories, but we understand that apparently the officers uh, did get there. They did get in the school, and they were faced with gunfire, and they backed out. And then we're hearing you know, from the, the commander on scene that he initially said, well, at that point, it transitioned to a, uh, a hostage situation. And we have to understand that. Law enforcement officers are not just killers trained to kill people. Training to respond to an active shooter is a very difficult training that we had to undergo uh, in, in the past 20 years, where police don't rely on shooting people as the first response. We had to teach the officers that. You go in, if the guy drops his gun and surrenders, you arrest him. If he locks himself in a closet, you contain him. If he keeps on shooting, then you apply deadly force immediately to stop the threat. In this case, the officers went in, he was apparently shooting at them, and they retreated. Then it got quiet. And at that point, they wanted to uh, consider it a barricaded sub subject. And therefore, you can't execute a guy who's barricaded, even if he's killed people, right? When we arrest murderers, we don't just, oh, there's the murderer, shoot and kill him if he's surrendering. So it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. I am not trying to give space to the chief who made the call not to go in. It was the wrong call to not go in and breach that door, um, if it turns out they didn't have the equipment to protect themselves as they breached the door, ballistic shields, bigger weapons uh, to get in there, uh, you know, well, then that's that's a funding problem. And we, we shouldn't have a funding problem for school safety and security. You know, we just gave, what, $48 billion to Ukraine to help them stay safe. Uh, we should have a billion dollars per state so that they can get the proper training by the right equipment and keep the kids in our school and our teachers and everybody else safe. So as, as, this, as this unfolds and we start to learn the truth here and, and what happened and who made what decisions, it's going to be very difficult to face that decisions were made that were incorrect. And I think the chief has come out and said, it was the wrong decision. I made the wrong decision. Uh, and that's a good thing that he admits that he made the wrong decision. What, the, what do the rest of us learn from it, right? When I teach these cops how to respond to active shooters, I teach them, you go, the first good guy or good girl gun goes to the sound of the gunfire. We used to wait for four people. Now we can't wait anymore. We know time equals life. you got to go fast. So we teach them to run to the sounds of the gunfire and interact with the shooter. Either arrest them, contain them, or apply deadly force and stop them from killing people. Doesn't look like that's what happened here in this case. It looks like a judgment was made. Uh, and, and if okay, even if it was a barricaded subject, there were kids in the classroom calling for help saying, the guy's in here, the guy's in here. Those children were in there. You have to breach that door anyway to go and try and save them to do the best you can. And I, I hate being a, a, an armchair quarterback and looking in hindsight, but that is what we trained to do, and it doesn't look like that's what happened here. And that's unfortunate, but every other agency in the country now should be re-looking at their training, re-looking at what they're doing, commit themselves to do the right thing because the next unfortunate active shooter attack in a school or business or a church is only days, minutes away. So we have to be prepared. All right. So listen, uh, I want to thank you for being here in the second half. I'm going to bring on a couple of guys that are going to talk about some equipment that they have to try and help us keep our facilities uh, safe and secure. So we're going to hear about some of those things because that's important. We need training and we need equipment. So we'll be back in a minute 
with more Chasing Justice on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, welcome back to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. And our conversation is going to continue now as we talk about the, the terrible tragedy in, uh, in Texas. The, the school shooter there, uh, we're, we're finding out so many things that went wrong in this situation that for anyone who's, who's in law enforcement or been in law enforcement, it is absolutely heartbreaking to, to think of what happened. You know, uh, the response, the way it was set up, there, there's too much to go into, as, as we talked about in the first part of the show. But I have two awesome individuals here that are going to try and help all of us do what we can to help our schools, our businesses, churches, camps, any place people gather, but especially our schools, how they can be better prepared uh, through the use of technology. You know, there's two sides to security. There's the human side, the soft side. What do we teach people? What do we train people? How do we, how do we drill so that when something happens, we can respond, muscle movement, that kind of thing. And then we need help from technology. You know, the world, it's not a, a battery-operated world anymore. Now we're the internet of things. There's, there's online, there's all kinds of equipment. So I want to introduce to you two really great people from two great companies. Uh, we have Mr. Adam Hubeny here. Adam is former law enforcement officer, uh, and he was also the town manager of Atlantic Highlands in New Jersey, which is a uh, beautiful community. And Adam is now with 911 Inform. 911 Inform is a an electronic notification system. I'll let Adam tell you all about it, but it is absolutely stunning and amazing uh, how it works. 
And my second guest is Mr. Matt Sobel. Matt is with the uh, IP Video Corporation and A-plus Technology out of New York. And Matthew is a proponent of school safety, and he, he goes out of his way to try and help any organization that is trying to protect themselves, schools, businesses, everywhere. So, gentlemen, welcome aboard. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for Thanks, having Joe. me. Appreciate Absolutely. It. Adam, let's, let's start with you for a minute here. Let's talk about 911 Inform. What, what's your background in law enforcement first and your relation as a town manager with the consideration of active shooters? Did you ever have to consider that kind of thing? Sure. So uh, I'm a 25-year law enforcement uh, officer. I, re I retired from a local prosecutor's office uh, in charge of counterterrorism and emergency management. And um, I've done everything from, you know, case preparation to major crimes, homicide, arson, and ultimately uh, wound up ending my career uh, retiring um, in counterterrorism and Office of Emergency Man Management. So, you know, you and I, Joe, have done some things in the past together in our, in our county. And um, uh, once I retired, I spent another career, if you will, as the business administrator in Atlantic Highlands, where we have a local elementary school. At the time, we had a Catholic uh, grammar school. And then in the town next to us, uh, a regional school where, where our kids go. So we always talked about school safety and, and all the chiefs that, uh, that I worked with in, in, my, in my home community were, were very awesome, very responsive, very in tune to what's going on, but nothing like what's going on today. And that's pretty scary. Um, here at 911 Inform, the owner and CEO, the president and CEO, Ivan, Ivo Allen, um, actually recruited me to come on board. And, you know, in the beginning, I was, I was comfortable where I was. I really didn't want to make any moves. But after I saw the technology here, it's, I think you use the words, it, it's stunning. It's awesome. It is unbelievable. And uh, not a cliche, but the truth, um, this is a game changer in, in law enforcement. Um, I remember, like I said, the days of us, you know, batting down doors and using mirrors to see what was on the other side. And, uh, you know, that is almost, you know, that, that is definitely old school. It's not like it is today. And with all the technology out there, we are like no other competitor in the sense of interactive mappings. And right. that's what ours really rests on. And, and I want to get into that a little deeper, but I have to tell you, you know, both, both you and Matt know that with the writing that I do about all of this, I think one of the, one of the best articles I ever put together was based on the questions that I got from lots of people about, you know, okay, there's so much to school safety and security, there's so many things to consider and, and what, what technology do you really need and all that kind of thing, that the, the article I put together was the three pillars of survival. And I think when you boil down the three pillars of survival, the, both of you and the equipment that your companies offer uh, really speak to a lot of that. So the three pillars is very, very simple is you have to have preparation and preparation means, you know, the soft skills, training your people, training uh, your, your, your staff, how to respond, how to recognize danger, how to do an assessment at your building, whatever it is. Uh, that's the first part is that preparation. Next is communication. 
Okay. How do you tell everybody? How does a teacher on the second floor who sees a kid approaching the building with a gun? How do they let everybody else in the building know, hey, we have a problem here. And then the third pillar of, of, uh, of, of survival is the notification. How do you call the good guy and good girls uh, law enforcement with the uh, good guy and good girl guns? How do you tell them come and help us? So when I look at those three pillars, if you cover those three pillars of survival in your plans, in your equipment, in your practice, you go a long way to securing your schools. So, you know, uh, preparation, getting yourself ready, training with the equipment, telling everybody. And that's where I see your equipment, both of you, Matt and Adam, your equipment comes in very, very handy. And then the notification part, uh, you're all connected there. So um, when we talk about 911 and form, and I, I, when I go out and I do an assessment and I look at the buildings, the physical security of the buildings, the doors, the windows, the vestibules, uh, the locks, the camera systems, all of that. One of the things I tell all of, of our clients is that they have to have some kind of an electronic notification system. You have to rely on some technology to get the word out uh, that there's a problem. So Adam, uh, 911 Inform is different than anything else I have seen. Um, it, it's absolutely, it, it, was, it was stunning to me when I saw, I met Ivo uh, at one of the conventions and I said, yeah, okay, another electronic notification system. And he said, well, let me show you what this does. And, and I was, I, to this day, I can't believe I've never seen anything like it. And uh, tell us, how does exactly what it work and what's, what does it do? Sure. So, you know, 911 Inform enables um, a full situational awareness uh, and communication on multiple platforms, um, allowing for total transparency into any situation where 911 is called for. Um, as I like to say, you're all on the same page. You're all looking through, if you will, a single pane of glass. And that call can call um, can come from a landline or a wireless call. You know, if it's dialed within the building or from what we geofence or macro micro geofence. Um, if it's generated within the 911 informed software, it will show up where you are in what we call a location discovery solution setup or a connected building. Okay, let me interrupt you there for one second, because there's yeah. a lot of terms in here that a lot of people don't always understand. So a geofence is also an amazing piece of uh, technology. You could put a geofence, which is an electronic uh, fence that you put around a place that if you could put around a, a building, a town, a region of the country, and when certain words, keywords are spoken or translated through social media or whatever, it pops up and says, hey, somebody's talking about a gun at Happy Town Elementary School or within the region of Happy Town Elementary School. And it goes, that notification goes to either the schools, the police, whoever you designate. So that's the geofence. So when you're talking about what 911 inform does if I'm uh, I'm a teacher and I look out the window and I see that kid with a gun and we have 911 inform and I dial 911 inform what happens so your 911 operator communicator is going to get that call they then have the ability as does the teacher through a desktop or through an app on their phone to lock that building down they can put that building into a lockdown and shelter in place mode in a matter of seconds. Now, so, how would the police do that? How would the police have that technology if you sold this to the school, so to speak? 
because your PSAP, your public safety answering point center, your police dispatchers, not in every police department, you have to have a PSAP, public safety answering point. So in our county, Monmouth County, they have uh, Sheriff Golden put this technology on his desk. So if a client of ours, the building is geofenced, longitude, latitude, starting at point A and closing it at point D, you know, right around the building, they can, they have full situational awareness of our mapping system at their fingertips. So again, they can lock that building down or create a shelter in place. So the dispatcher, as soon as they hear there's a guy outside with a gun, they hit a button, boom, that school's locked down, even before the administrators maybe could do it at the building. Is that correct? It's either just before or simultaneously. They can both get that alert almost at the same time, and they can lock that school, business, mall, arena, hospital. They can lock that building down if part of their technology from 911 Inform includes that connected building, which is the lock, unlock doors, cameras, et cetera. Now, that's great. Now, the other thing that I, I thought was really amazing is I'm a responding officer and you have this mapping that tells me lots of information. Like I know I tell everybody if you have a school, any kind of a building, you should number your doors. Right. And I like to use the fireman system, you know, so the front of the building is A, the left side of the building is B, the back is C and the right side is D. Now, when you you have officers responding who may not spend a lot of time in these buildings, unfortunately, and you could tell them go to door C27. Now they know right where to go. They find the C side of the building. They see door 27. There's your bad guy. Um, what does your mapping do? What does that provide to the officer? How's that work? Sure. So we also provide in our geofencing and mapping of the building the quickest route to the emergency and the availability to unlock doors. So if you're going to door C27, it's going to show you where it is. The dispatcher can guide them in to that building, to that closest route. And if they don't have a key or a key fob, um, that door can be unlocked by that dispatcher. Remember the old days, there was a first aid call. You went to the front of the building. The custodian would walk you through the school to get to the you know, gym or the nurse's office or the classroom that usually was the furthest away. Right. Um, now it tells you the closest door and our system can let you in. And, and, and again, it's, it's based on pre-configured protocols. The nurse, the principal, the assistant principal, uh, the administrator, they can all be programmed into this system where they would have full control in addition to the police of getting into our system. Our system does a lot more than just blueprinting, maps, and, and as I like to say, it's interactive mappings, not just static maps. Right, and, and I gotta tell you, as, as a responding officer, to be, you know, you, you say, okay, the building's locked down. When I, when I teach cops um, how to respond to these things, and again, there's a lot of correlations to Parkland where the officer didn't go in, and, and apparently in Uvalde where the officers didn't respond as we would have hoped they would have. Um, you lock that school down, dispatch locks it down, the teacher locks it, somebody hits the button and locks the building down. And now you have 
a situation where when the officers get there, they have to have a key to get in or a fob. And what I teach them, if you have nothing and you hear gunshots, use the police car to crash the door in and get into that school. Your product would allow that dispatcher to guide them cops to, to C-27 and they click and unlock that door. They don't need a fob. They don't need anything. The door opens and they go in. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. They unlock that door, they go in. And then again, depending on what's pre-configured in the system, the door will stay unlocked for five seconds, 10 seconds, forever. But then that operator can go back, dispatcher, and relock that door. So again, there's a lot of pre-configuring in our system, but once it's established and it's configured, um, I like to call it maps on steroids. Yes, the well, <laughs> you're, you're, you're understating it there. Um, and, and just so everybody knows, uh, Lieutenant Joe has nothing to do with 911 inform. Uh, I, I, I don't work for them. I don't own any of the stock. I seek out the best things I can tell people about to keep people alive so that I can sleep well at night. And when I saw this system, uh, steroids, uh, I think there's something more than steroids. This was nothing I'd ever seen before. And then I know Ivo uh, showed me a demonstration of this thing and he put it on my phone. And I was able to click in and, and they knew exactly where I was and locking down doors and amazing. So we'll give out your contact at the end, because I think it's important for people to know how to reach out to you and learn more about this amazing thing. Sure. Appreciate it. No, and open, believe me, uh, it's, it's life-saving technology combined with, you know, being taught properly how to do the right thing. So I want to bring in now Mr. Mr. Matthew Sobel. Matthew, uh, you and I know each other for a long time. Uh, you have brought me in on some projects. It's, it's been a great relationship with you. And I got to tell you, the company that you're with and the technologies that they have are just unbelievable. So tell us a little bit about yourself hey, and, and your company. Sure. So I'm with um, A Plus Technology and Security Solutions. We are probably one of the largest uh, providers of school safety and security in New York State and the tri-state area. Um, anything from CCTV to card access to panic and lockdown, uh, IoT devices, um, metal detectors, x-ray machines, um, virtual guarding, anything that has to do with protecting a community or a school or a government building, uh, we generally have a hand in to, to keep everybody safer than, what, than where they were before. Now that's, and again, some of the things I've seen come out of uh, the manufacturer that you're with some of these, you know, you talk about virtual guarding. I, I what a what a way for people to save money and have actual security guards when they don't have the money because it's expensive. Guards are expensive, no doubt about it. They're they're good, but they're expensive. But when I saw, you know, you have the product, the Halo product, that's from IP Video Corporation, if that's correct. Correct. Um, and the Halo started out as what a vape detector, and and it has grown unbelievable to now it has safety and security features in it. So what is this halo all about? Yeah. So um, uh, because education is our biggest market in the public sector, the halo IOT smart sensor came out as a vape detector to schools. And it has always been on the roadmap as a safety and health monitoring and uh, vape detection device. And um when we saw the, the big need for, uh, for vaping incidents and detecting vape in schools, uh, we knew that there was a, a much bigger need other than just detecting vape. And um, in addition to vape, it does um, spoken keyword. So if like, let's say I said, um, uh, help emergency, 
it'll basically send a notification by text and or email, um, as well as through your uh, security system or POE lighting system or building automation system to go and send help. Um, now there's a two-way audio communication um, with uh, someone that has a voice over IP phone system. So they could be sitting at their, at their command center desk or administrative desk and have a two-way communication between someone in the bathroom or privacy, a privacy concern area, um, or if they're uh, barricaded in, in a classroom with an active shooter. All right, let, let's, let's slow you down here for one minute, because I know there's 50,000 things this thing does, and every one <laughs> of them is, is just as stunningly uh, amazing uh, as anything I've seen. So when you say it's got uh, voice recognition, I say help. What, can, I, can I program it to say anything I want to send that message? And how do these people get these messages? That's what... The, the, sure. This is so the communication port, right? For right now, there's only, I believe, uh, five different keywords. But as the years go, go on and the device gets smarter by artificial intelligence and machine learning, it will become more keywords. Um, help emergency happens to be one and there's a, a few others. All right. So um, let me picture this. I'm, I'm in your school. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a gym teacher. And I hear shots fired. And I run with my kids into the locker room and it's a privacy area and there's a halo there. And I scream, help, halo, help, halo. What happens? So it'll send a notification. Um, so first of all, it will have an audio alert at the uh, actual unit if that setting is turned on um, with a, uh, a particular color LED by event. So if there's an active shooter, maybe it's red. If it, there's a fire, maybe blue. If there's vape, maybe yellow. Um, and that notification will be sent by text and or email or through your security systems that you have there, whether it's CCTV or X control that will be sent, um, to your administrators or facilities, or you could even have it hooked up to 911 or your emergency responders, uh, to go and, um, uh, take a look at the incident, see what's going on. Um, but this device will give you a good recommendation of, of what is going on, you know, in that particular room. So, okay, so I, I, I scream out, help, Halo, and that's going to send text messages to people to tell them I'm in trouble, and it'll tell me where that Correct. device is so they can start coming towards me, right? So they Correct. know something's going on. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Now, what about gunshot detection? I, I'm hearing that it does that now. Or is it glass yeah, so, break? What is it? Yeah, so what I, what I like to tell people is uh, there's no such thing out there that is 100% uh, gunshot detection um, uh, safe or, or it will exactly tell you what gunshot detection is. Um, there's, there's a ton of technology out there. This will give you, you know, first of all, this will, um, this has been tested by a third party, uh, uh, gun manufacturer, um, that, that IP video has relationships with to detect different types of popping noises and different types of guns. Um, but there could be some false positives. There's no such thing as a, a perfect uh, scenario or a perfect solution for gun sure, detection. Sure, sure. And, and I got to tell you, I would rather have the device go off and tell me it thinks it heard uh, give a, you more data than a rifle <laughs> oh, yeah. in, in the hallway than to find out that they should have sent that message. And, and you get because what do we say all the time? Time equals, equals life, life, right? In these yep. incidents, time equals life. So um, this halo is 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 tremendous. Um I also know that you have another product. Uh, it's called ViewScan. Yes. And what is the ViewScan and how is it being used in schools? So it's a completely passive walkthrough metal detection uh, unit. 
It can be enclosed in, um, in door frames, so it's not as obtrusive, like you're not walking into a jail. Um, it has a camera attached to it, or, or you could tie a camera into it. Um, it sets up in about 15 or 20 minutes, and you can also tie it into your existing camera system. Uh, it does not emit any EMI. Um, it uh, actually uses the Earth's magnetic fields. Um, so, you know, putting this above, um, you know, concrete, it's not, a, it's not an issue with rebar. It's also perfectly safe for people with medical devices or pregnant women. Um, but it, it, it avoids precious metals. Um, we like to say, it, you know, <laughs> if you want to see everything on someone, it, it's, it's going to show you. It almost shows you too much. Um, so if someone walks through, it'll actually give you a pinpoint location of each object as you walk through the metal detector. Um, so there's really no need for pat downs. There, there is a captured video recording of someone walking through the view scan. So you know exactly um, what is on someone's body. Uh, body. Right. So I, I walk through this thing and I have a handgun on my ankle. Um, from the demonstrations I've seen, it, it's got the picture of me, but it, then it, it shows a dot on my ankle. So that tells right. the security personnel, that's where you look for the weapon. And you go right to that area and get it. Now, when you said in the beginning, you said it, it can be placed in the walls. I know I, I, when I go out and I talk to a lot of schools and parents groups, that is a concern they have. They said they want this. They want metal detectors. They just don't want the school to look like it's a prison, that there's metal detectors. Right. I would can, say my recommendation is if you're going to put it in a, uh, in a concealed wall, make sure it's new construction. It's, it's got to be uh, serviceable, um, you know, just in case. Um, but if you're putting it, putting it into an existing wall and there's no, uh, no way to service it, it's going to make things a little challenging for the school. Um, but my recommendation is do it for new construction. Right. But the idea is you can put it in the frame of the door so it doesn't look Correct. like a metal detector. And I think that's, right, you a, never that's know. a big selling point for a lot of parents. They want this, but they want the kids to feel like, you know, it's a normal school because right. all of this safety and security, we have to keep in mind, you know, uh, when we talk about it, the concerns that some administrators have and people have is school should be a place for learning, for growing, for thriving. It shouldn't be a place to, where the kids are scared to death every minute they're going to get killed. Our job is to create these, these walls, these circles of security that allow the administrators and the police and everybody to have a, a, a developed set of security to let us know, to, to activate those three pillars of survival. But the kids can go about their business without seeing metal detectors and, and worrying about uh, those kind of things. So what I wanted to get back to when you said uh, about the view scan, it can activate a camera. That was another thing I saw with the halo is that uh, it's it's if a privacy area. So it's bathrooms, locker rooms. There's no cameras in there, but it can activate a camera in the hallway, right? To show people what's going on. Correct. It's never recording anything. Um, there is no camera inside. You can put it for uh, put it into any privacy concern areas, but also any indoor space. So um, gyms, uh, boiler rooms, offices, classrooms, hallways, um, really the best way to, to, to tell the story. Um, right. You know, think of your cameras or your eyes and think of the halo as your ears and your nose. So it's smelling and it's listening, but it's never it's not it's never recording. anything. Right. And I think that's then that's another privacy concern. You're absolutely right. So that was very smart of you to, to look at that. I was talking to a facilities uh, man today and he's he's works with a lot of retail places. And we started talking. He goes, hey, I, uh, I, I looked up this thing. I heard you write about one time this halo thing. And I said, oh, I'll put you in touch with them. And he was just amazing. You do back that, you do, you do the, uh, 
the, the temperature in the buildings you do, the pressure in the air. It is really a, a wonderful thing. So we're kind of coming to the end of our segment here. And, and I just want to say this to, to all the uh, all the Chasing Justice people out there. You know, there's there's a lot of equipment. One of the things I get asked all the time, and you can check with your school, and I'm going to tell you, check with your schools and your churches and ask them, what have you done, right? Because if we don't demand that they do these things, they're all going to say, well, it'll never happen here, or we don't have the money for that. And, and we have to get kind of beyond that thought pattern now. Every, every place where people gather is a potentially dangerous place. So Also, Joe, I just want to touch, um, especially the, the money thing. Oh, we don't have money. There is more money out there than ever before um, for grant money, Homeland Security grants, federal grants, state grants. So that's something definitely people should look into. Um, during COVID, there, were, there wasn't a lot of money, and now there's more money than God out there for okay. uh, for. Well, for that's great to know. So groups. everyone everyone keep that in mind. So, Matt, how would somebody get in touch with, uh, with A-plus or IP Video, and how would they get in touch with you? Sure. You can um, give me a call. Um, my phone number is 631-675-2231, or my email is msobel at aplustechnology.com, and plus is spelled out, A-P-L-U-S technology with a y.com outstanding a plus technology ip video corporation and uh, adam how do we get in touch with you how do we find 911 inform sure so our toll-free number is 833-333-1911 and uh, my email is a hubany h-u-b is in boy e n is in nancy y at 911inform.com Outstanding. Gentlemen, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And I want to tell everybody that's listening. Uh, we'll do more and more of these about technology because we have to add that to what we're doing. But the the problem we have and the reality we have is that we have to be prepared. We have to cover the three pillars of survival. And you got to remember that the next terrible incident is only weeks, days or minutes away. We need to be prepared to safeguard everybody that we care about. So this is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.